0: You know and it's like no like my life was fine when donald trump was president like my taxes got cut uh, fucking ratings went through the air like i didn't get a great book deal i actually got a good book deal it wasn't even about trump
1: Hey, everyone. I'm Brian Boitler. And I'm Matthew Iglesias. Welcome to the first episode of Politics, which is our new podcast about the 2024 election. So over the next 10 months, we'll cover news that's relevant to the election, uh, the ideas and strategic appeals at the heart of the election, and most of all, the stakes of the election. So it's no big surprise if you're here for episode one that we both think Donald Trump is bad um, and deserves to lose. But just under a year out, the country's kind of unnervingly divided, I think. Um, Joe Biden is unpopular. Donald Trump is very unpopular. Both men are quite old, Um, Donald (laughs) Trump faces a bunch of felony charges, um, including for trying to steal the 2020 election. Uh, So the backdrop for politics, um, with an X, is that big ideals and concrete things are at stake in November, but there's this unusual amount of uncertainty, at least in these early days, about, like, which way is the wind blowing? Um, And it feels like a big, decisive, swingy block of voters currently has a kind of, like, fuck This throw the bums out mentality about the top of the ticket, which is not where we'd ideally like to be. I don't think. Is that a fair summation to you?
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I,
1: it's also, it's just interesting. I mean, I, I was watching
0: the, um, you know, New Year's Eve uh, CNN countdown uh, with my eight year old. And so it's like CNN and they were doing promos for their upcoming town halls with Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. And, and they were, You know, not in a, like, don't normalize this kind of way, but just, like, very literally, they were treating this like a normal January of an election season. And they're, like, with only 10 days to go until the Iowa caucuses, like, town halls. And so then, like, my kid was asking me, he's, like, who are these people? Like, how come I never heard of them? (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, one reason he hasn't heard of them is he's eight. But, like, one reason he hasn't heard of them is, like, it's not important that itself, like, it's actually very unusual, right? Like, it's it's weird to have the nominees decided at this point in the cycle. And one reason that that's happened is that the opposition candidate is going to be the former president. Um, this is not literally unprecedented. It happened with Grover Cleveland sometime in the <laughs> 1880s, I think. But it is, it's outside the realm of our experience, right? And then the context for that is that the former president who is trying to run again, he denies that he lost, right? And and there's a there's a legal aspect to that and the like insurrection aspect and and January 6th. But that's also part of his politics, right? Like normally if you're serving as president or even if you're just a nominee and then you lose, like your party gets mad at you, right? Like, you fucked up. And now, you know, like, people were really upset at Hillary Clinton for losing the 2016 election. People were upset at John Kerry for losing the 2004 election. And so part of what Trump has done, right, is, like, psyoped the whole Republican Party into this idea that, like, he was robbed, and so he he should get another shot at this, right? And, And that, like, exists... Supervening on top of like the craziness and the illegality and the threats to democracy and all of these other things is that like Republicans are gonna are gonna run back this Trump experiment that didn't work out well. Yeah, it didn't work out well for America, but like it didn't work out well for them. People really didn't like him. He lost the election, Um, but he didn't lose it by that much, right? Like it's so it's it's an unusual. You know, you could see just from the election results on Election Day 2020 that it was like, on the one hand, Trump lost. Trump was unpopular. Trump was a bad leader for Republicans. They could have done better than that. But also, he didn't lose by all that much, you know, particularly in the Electoral College. It was plausible that he could go make a comeback. And then the question for Biden, you know, Biden started off with a honeymoon, uh, as new presidents usually do. Uh, but he he lost that honeymoon pretty early in his administration. I mean, we we've people talk about all kinds of things, right? But I mean, if you just look at it, Biden went from popular to unpopular in the summer of 2021 when there was the Afghanistan withdrawal happened, uh, the Delta variant, and sort of like backsliding on COVID happened and gasoline prices got really expensive, like all at the same time in a way that makes it hard to say like which of those things exactly uh, was doing it. And it was also when we were constantly talking about this very ambitious Build Back Better bill, but not actually passing it. So those were these kind of like layers of frustration that people developed. And he's just never gotten out from under that. You know, I mean, for whatever you think was, like, the most important factor in there, he came in, there was this shine on him, and it came off pretty fast, and he's been stuck now underwater, but facing, you know, not like a fresh face, but, like, the guy people already rejected. And so we're facing, you know, I, I was talking to people at New Year's Party, and they were, like, everyone's dreading this election. mm mm-hmm you know because it's going to be two unpopular guys trying to emphasize to the public how much they dislike the other person
1: i uh i had not really thought of or conceived of the fact that there's technically a primary going on as <laughs> as like as like a as working as a shield almost like almost like in the way that kicking trump off of twitter was this thing that i think that like the like Twitter had to do in in some like liability uh, minded sense because mm-hmm. he was inciting violence, but that that like worked in effect to like help Trump recede in a way that helped Republicans kind of cleanse themselves of him and let this process of forgetting begin much earlier than it would have. If he was still out there tweeting all the time. Like you have this group of people who say they're running to beat Trump. They're the only ones who show up at these debates. The 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 mainstream news treats it as kind of like a live contest. But with the exception of like Chris Christie, they're not using that time to remind people. Donald Trump is like a, a crook who tried to steal the last election and then lost, and we shouldn't do that again. So it's really just like he gets to hide and they get to talk about how well his policies were very good, but he's just like maybe too old and and I'm younger than he is and you know, maybe it's time for something new, which is not like a a great way to to convince people that like letting him become the nominee and then maybe the president again would be disastrous for the country. But I think you're right that like in, it, Joe Biden has these Joe Biden specific things that are making him unpopular in like a head to head against a generic Republican, even in, in head to heads against Donald Trump. But. I think, given that Trump is so favored to win, you would expect, or you would at least hope, that that would get people thinking, "Oh, it was really bad under Donald Trump. We were really unhappy," and that that would have a uh, like a commensurate effect on the polls. And then it would be like, "Oh, okay." Like when it's down to Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, Joe Biden's ahead by five six points, and we could rest easy. But like the polls are not (laughs) doing that yet.
0: Well, you know, I I, you know what one of the dynamics in the in the Republican primary, such as it is, that I think takes us into our next subject is that, like, according to Haley and DeSantis, like, just if you listen to what they say, it's like Donald Trump being indicted by multiple prosecutors, Ron DeSantis has complained was like bad for his campaign. Right. Um, And every time these things happen, instead of saying, you know what, like, I agree with Donald Trump about tax cuts and banning abortion. But, like, these prosecutors who keep saying he's a criminal, like, there's something to that. Like, wh- wh- why don't we run this back with someone who's not a criminal? They flip back and they, they defend him. Right. Yeah. And so they have, de- there's what? Th- there's like Jack Smith. There's a case in Georgia. There's a case in New York. Like, on each of them all of Trump's nominal rivals circle the wagon to say like he's innocent this is the weaponization of, of politics and then you saw it most recently with like you know um Maine has said yes, that like Colorado. He, he's not going to be on the ballot you know Colorado Maine and so
1: you know they could they could say like those judges are right and the secretary of state is right and he shouldn't be a candidate and that means it should be one of us in the primary You You could even say like, why run the risk?
0: Yeah. Right? Of like dropping an electoral college with a guy who has this stuff hanging over him. You could say, factually, it isn't true that partisan Democrats would just do this to any Republican. There is not, in fact, any move in Colorado or Maine or any other state to say that Nikki Haley should be disqualified from appearing on the ballot, right? Like, just like, but it's the sort of like normie generic Republican is like, ah, Democrats are being partisan, right? And the person who is incentivized to debunk that more than anyone else is Nikki Haley, right? Who should be able to stand up there and say, like, guys, like, whether you agree or disagree, it's like not true. That Nikki Haley is going to be disqualified from appearing on the ballot in Colorado. If you're off to me, prison, yeah, right. There is a guarantee, an ironclad guarantee, that I, Nikki Haley, will be on the ballot in all 50 states. I am not indicted by any prosecutors. I was in the Trump administration. Right, like if yeah. the New York Attorney General wants to make up some crimes about me, like she could have done that, but like she's not because there's no evidence because I didn't do crimes, <laughs> right? And like that's the pr- I, I, I I do understand, you know, all the center right it will be like, "Well, Matt, they didn't do this," blah, blah. And I do understand. I understand that they had their reasons for not making that kind of case, but it's weird. It's the objective structural weirdness of this is that normally. If a candidate has non ideological weaknesses, that candidate's intra party rivals play up those weaknesses. And the fact that there is internal party dissent about it dramatizes the weakness, right? So, like when Hillary Clinton turned out, when Hillary Clinton, after she stepped down as Secretary of State, I think made the unwise decision to do, go on the sort of buck raking speech circuit right? That's a good thing, I think, for a politician to do when they are retired. But if you want to run for office again in the future, my advice to you is like, don't do that. But Hillary did it. She likes money. I don't know. Um, This came up during the primary, and she was criticized by Republicans for the speeches, but she was also criticized by Bernie Sanders, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, we're, you could debate like exactly how fair were Bernie's criticisms, but like the reason he criticized her is that he was running against her, and like that's yeah. what you do when you're he running in an to... election. You, I see your opponent's weaknesses and you go for them. Obama went after Hillary's weaknesses in 2008, and Hillary went after Obama's. Right, like that's politics. But then the fact that Democrats were disagreeing about these speeches made the Republican criticisms of them feel less partisan. The fact that none of Trump's, the people ostensibly running against Trump won't be like, hey, there's a problem here, makes it harder for Biden and the Democrats, I think, to exploit these issues. Because it's like, what you want to say, if you're Joe Biden, is the fact that Trump is a criminal is like, an independent consideration from just like uh, my various policy disagreements with Mike Johnson. Right. But it's hard to make that case to people when the other people in the party, even the people who are like, Donald Trump shouldn't be the nominee. And then you're like, is the fact that Donald Trump is facing multiple criminal indictments one of the reasons he shouldn't be the nominee? And then Haley's like, no, 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 that's, that's nothing. (laughs) Like,
1: I, I, I kind of think I kind of think that Joe Biden, if he wanted to engage this question of Trump's fitness for office, um, the insurrection, whatever, the fact that Trump's just under indictment, he's got he's got enough to work with because it's not like literally every Republican has given Trump a pass or that every judge that's weighed in has been like a, a Democratic appointee. Like there are there's Chris Christie. There are judges um, in the D.C. District Court and the D.C. Court of Appeals, I believe, who are like not like liberal judges who have weighed in and said, like, there's real problems here. Mm -hmm. Um, And occasionally Joe Biden will be like, you know, it's just a fact he he engaged in insurrection. Um, And I'll leave that to the judges to decide whether that means he's disqualified. I think like. Joe Biden has been reticent to talk about this stuff all along. And I, I think to the extent that he plans to, he's maybe waiting until it's all sewn up. Like he seems to like, if you look at if you, if you do the, this kind of like Kremlinology crimin, around around uh, Joe Biden's communications, like look at his campaigns, rapid response. Like they are much more apt to, to pile on Nikki Haley than they are to pile on Donald Trump, I think, because I think they, they think that Trump's more beatable. And then when he becomes the nominee and there's no chance that Republicans are going to get wisdom here and, and nominate somebody more electable, then he'll start rolling out like there's a sequencing thing that I think that they think is smart. And I'm not sure if it is because it's led to the situation where Trump's going to enter the election on a par with Biden, who is not like a felon or has never like incited a riot against the capitol i mean but uh, I, I and they're gonna I, have to they're gonna have to come I, back from that,
0: but I mean I think this is like not just a comp thing, right like this is like the deep i think incoherence of the Democratic Party across the past seven eight years at this point, which is like they're 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 torn, I think, like on a genuine level in their hearts between like sincerely believing that Donald Trump is like uniquely bad, and also sincerely wanting Donald Trump to be the Republican nominee because he's more beatable. You know, and it's like I hear a lot of like hot takes about this where you know skeptics will be like, well, if Democrats really believe Trump was blah blah blah, they would do X Y and Z. And just as someone who like knows people and. You know, I I, I see Democrats, I see low-level Democratic Party staffers in social situations, and, like, they both sincerely believe that Donald Trump is a unique threat to American democracy and also sincerely are glad that they get to run against a relatively weak Republican nominee. And it's, like, I I think, like, more than political punditry, it, it needs, like, group therapy or something like, (laughs) you know, it's like, but it's like, really, like, if Trump, if Trump's was hit by a bus tomorrow, right, and just like, died, and Nikki Haley was going to be the nominee, like, would liberals be happy about that outcome or not? Like, I I, I, I think there's like actual, I I think a lot of people would feel a sense of elation. And a lot of people also would feel like a pit in their stomach.
1: That, yeah, like, because, like, Obamacare might go away again because some right. so, so credible the, Republican would So win. the
0: easiest way, and I agree with you, it, it's not that it's not that the wait and, like, hold keep our powder dry is the best strategy. It's that what I think is true of a lot of things this White House does, it's the best way to manage the coalition. You know what I mean? Because, like, if Trump just is the nominee, then he is. And the... You and you don't need to face this question of whether you're happy that he is, because otherwise you get these like there was a, like a leak out of a fundraiser. No, um, no, you know what? One of these things, part yeah. of the fundraiser. I think it was a Boston one, and Biden was saying like, you know, I might not even be running again uh, if it wasn't for Trump, right? Which is one of those things people say, but it's like like one question hang Biden is older than you know prior presidents, he, he was old in the 2020 campaign. One of the reasons he was picked in 2008, according to like Obama insiders, was Obama's belief that he would be too old to run for president by 2016, Yeah, right? But at the same time, like Joe Biden has run for president multiple times going back to 1988 and clearly just like wants to be president of the United States. And so he both I think sincerely felt this sense of duty but like, also was glad to feel this sense of duty. Like, it would be a bummer for him to not have like a reason to give as to why he needs to be called to serve. But of course, it would be a terrible look for him <laughs> to like say that overtly. So he has to like be reluctant, and it, it like it doesn't make sense, right? But like, the reason it doesn't make sense is because everybody's feelings about this are super conflicted, and when Trump just wraps it up. Then everyone could just be like, "This is a disaster. It's a party of criminals. Like we got to go beat them," and that that's like more convenient than trying to figure out what what are we really doing
1: here. Yeah, I mean, like if I think that that it's this thing that precludes Biden from saying something like, like he went as far as to say, "It's beyond question that Trump engaged in insurrection," and then he says whether that means he should be excluded from the ballot or disqualified from the ballot, I'll leave that to the judges. He could say Trump engaged in insurrection and the constitution thus requires him to be excluded from the ballot. But if judges refuse to do that, I will just beat him again. Like I think that would be like a, like a strong confident message to people about, about why Trump is bad and also why, Liberals can go into the election confident and behind like a leader who's like clear eyed about beating him. But I also think that there is this hedge, like what if the judges do say he can't run for president? And there is this sort of late switcheroo. And now he's got to run against Nikki Haley. Well, it's going to make the fact that he said, if Trump's not on the ballot, I might not be running look weird. Like, OK, he's not on the ballot anymore. <laughs> are you going to are you going to quit now? But also that means that he's got to run the like like run against somebody who didn't prepare to run against who's 30 or 40 years younger than he is. And um, and it's going to put him in a weird spot. And like I feel this conflict, too, because like. I want a Democrat to win the presidency over a Republican just as a a general thing. And I think Biden would have an easier time beating Trump than beating the rest of the field. At the same time, like, I don't think that the democracy would end if Nikki Haley became president. I mean, I think it would be very bad and she'd be, you know, like you see in, in other countries, like sometimes it's not like the worst person who comes to to be prime minister or whatever, but their coalition includes these like very malign actors and they end up kind of like, like puppets to those people. So it would be bad, but I don't think it'd be like this, um, extinction level event the way Trump is. And like back in 2016, there was this, this push among some liberals and center right people, um, ahead of the New Hampshire primary, I think to like say, Democratic voters should cross over yeah. and vote for Marco Rubio, so that Donald Trump doesn't win New Hampshire. Something like that. And I wrote at the time, like I never said, um, like like Trump should be the nominee. I, I kind of wanted a Republican to just beat him, um, but I it, like it cut against my sense of like what would be fair play. Right, and it's not fair play for for to ask Democrats to save the Republican Party from Donald Trump so that a stronger candidate can be their nominee and beat the Democrat without Republicans offering up any concessions. Like that's bad bargaining. Um, and it's, it's like dignified, not dignified, and they're, gonna, they're not going to reward you for helping them solve this problem for them by easing up on policy grounds or anything else. So I was like, don't cross over, let Republicans figure out whether they want to nominate Donald, Donald Trump or not. And now it's eight years later and the same question is live and we but we've had a Donald Trump presidency because without perfect foresight i didn't gather that he'd win in 2016 and now i'm kind of thinking yeah like i realized that what it might do is give the nomination to somebody electable more electable than trump at least and that person might be joe biden but like i i don't know if i have the stomach at at my my older age now to like to deal with <laughs> another four years at least of donald trump being president it just like it's not. It's not. I think if I had to write another piece about that, and maybe I will, I'll say I, I have had a change of heart. Yeah, I mean, this this is something that I've changed my view on. I mean, and and I want to say this
0: because, like, I I think there's a question in some people's mind about like how seriously do progressives like take the whole January sixth line and stuff? And I I really think of myself as somebody who is relatively soft on like the Trump doomerism and a like, let's just have a policy critique of Trump. And it felt in 2016 that like, honestly, Trump was running on what was in some ways a more um, sensible policy agenda than Marco Rubio's. Uh, To me, January 6th, and not just, this is something I want to be clear about, not just the events of the day of January 6th, but the sequence of events starting from Election Day 2020, right, the weeks and weeks and weeks of protesting the legitimacy of the election, of lying to people, ultimately leading to, uh, you know, a, a thing at the Capitol that got out of hand. And in some ways, I think just like went worse than it might have, but also went better than it might have, like people could have, more people could have died. I think that that was really bad. You know, and I now feel very clearly that it would be worth crossing the aisle, voting in New Hampshire for Haley. For one thing, because I I do think that if the race were to, for some reason, become a little tighter and a little realer, uh, the incentive to voice criticisms of Trump becomes a little bit higher. But also because, like, I, I, I don't think she would do that, you know, as... President, I, I just would. Ha- I have tons of problems with Nikki Haley and with her views on things. But I think that that business of um, putting himself, not like putting an ideology above procedural fairness, but like putting himself above everything else, that's a very unusual Trump thing. Most high-level politicians like actually believe quite a bit. In their ideas. And like, I often object to their ideas. But the thing about Trump is that he doesn't, right? Like, it's bad for conservatism that he's done this instead of just fading away. But like, he's vainglorious, he's egomaniacal, he wants to stay out of prison personally. And this is something we see in lots of countries, right? I mean, like, I don't want to totally derail into an Israel-Palestine podcast, but like Bibi Netanyahu has been very clearly for the past not just since ten seven, but like for the past ten years, putting his personal interests ahead of a national interest or an ideological interest over there. And Trump is that kind of guy, which is common among populist right figures globally. Um, and it, it, it's bad. It would be good to get to get rid of him. Um, at the same time, like, I, I find this, I'm annoyed about this whole ballot access discourse because, like, the minute Colorado handed this decision down, it's like you could just see that what was going to happen here was going to be an annoying, divisive, internecine debate among biden supporters (laughs) yeah rather than a debate among republicans and like i just you know i could already see in my mind the columns by liberals saying this is not the way to do it the columns by center-right trump skeptics who are like i'm against trump and i think what happened on january 6th was horrible but this isn't good and like then i could see the counter discourse the people being like Fuck you, wusses. Like, let's go do it. And then also, like, we all know that the Supreme Court isn't going to... Rule in Colorado's favor, so it's like, why do we? I, I like I've been just like deliberately not writing a column about this because I'm so annoyed that it is occurring, and I'm going to just state like my view about Donald Trump rather than like a second order. Like, here's what Colorado should. Here's what Joe Biden should say about what Colorado said about what's gonna blah 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 blah. It's like, it's really, it's really fucked, and I think the more relevant thing is that the legal processes against Trump need to move forward. Like it is, I think likely that the Supreme Court will let him shield normal legal accountability. But I also think it's like plausible that they would do the right thing here and let this stuff go forward. And that like, that's where people should be focusing their attention. Like there are these, Trump is trying to say, that after arguing in the Senate that like he was on his way out the door and there's no need for impeachment because there's a criminal process to now say like well we can't have the criminal process go forward and like that's outrageous and that's crazy and like
1: I don't know man like well let's put a let's put a pin in Colorado and with and the disqualification question because yeah. we should talk about it um, and I and I also do think that like. Part of the reason I feel a little bit um, like more sanguine about Democrats crossing over in New Hampshire to try to get Nikki Haley to win there is that like I do kind of think that Trump would sabotage the Republican Party if somehow he lost the nomination. And so maybe she's not as big of a threat as uh, as like people like us worry about and like if that would help Democrats resolve their cognitive dissonance about the Trump situation to try to like get him to lose the primary like so much the better. But, like, I think that we have laid out pretty well, like, why Trump, despite these major vulnerabilities, is very competitive with Biden, who, for for all his flaws, like, has never been a crook and never tried to overthrow the government. Um, and I think that, like, feeds into why we agree that the stakes of the election are so high. Um, like maybe the most important election of our lifetime more important than the last one even but like let's talk about what like what that means when we when we say that the stakes of the election are high like what are you thinking about when you stipulate that like this is a critical election and it's important for Donald Trump to lose is it the is it the trump stuff or is it the republican party doctrine stuff
0: i mean it like like it it is both you know like i think i I, I, people, somebody always jokes, like, I can't believe like every four years people talk about how this is the most important election of our lifetimes. Um, But it's just like factually accurate that partisan polarization has been steadily increasing throughout our lifetimes. And so each election is more consequential than the prior elections. Now, some races, right, like ex post, it looks like the 2004 election, Like maybe there wasn't that much at stake there. Actually, the future of the Supreme Court turns out to have been, but you you know what I mean? Like just like as a structural thing, like the public policy consequences of these elections keeps getting higher, not because people in the media are bullshitting, uh, but because like American politics is switching. Um, And I think that there is a real risk. Just when I read like what are articles about, you know, over this past fall, that people are going to show up and they're going to vote on the basis of like, how justifiable is it to feel annoyed about the fact that inflation was high earlier in Biden's administration? Um, And not think about questions like, will electing Donald Trump make inflation better right? Or like, do I think that important progressive leaders downplayed the rise in crime in the year 2021 in a way that I think is problematic, rather than will electing Donald Trump improve public safety in America, right? And, you know, I want to try to get people to think More clearly and more rigorously about what specifically is at stake, because I think there's a good chance that we are going to wake up that we're going to have a campaign over the next nine months that is like largely about sort of vibes type questions and then it's going to turn out on January 22nd, 2025, that there is a reconciliation bill to uh, radically restructure Medicaid, plowing through Congress, right? And like millions and millions of low-income people are going to lose their health insurance. And everyone's going to be like, I, and I feel like this happened in 2017. Like I, I remember working in a newsroom then, and like we covered Trump so much over the course of the 2016 election. And then we suddenly had to be like, wait, so what's gonna happen now? And like what actually happened is that the machinery of conservative governance just started rolling forward. And that's not the only thing that happened during Trump's presidency, but it is a thing that happened. Uh, If you look, The Heritage Foundation, this has been covered a lot, like the Heritage Foundation has this program now in which you can like pre-submit your resume to, you know, show that you're like a good MAGA foot soldier. And what they have said, I think, to Trump is that the point of this is to make sure that your administration is staffed with loyalists who believe in the you know, America First agenda instead of like these like deep state ex-Bush people, et cetera. And some of that is happening, but if you go to that website and you go through it, which I recommend to everybody, mm-hmm. a lot of what they ask you about is just like, do you have extremely right-wing opinions about random questions of public policy? Because the Heritage Foundation, is just like run by people who have extremely right-wing opinions about questions of public policy. So like they ask you if you believe that um, there should be constitutional protections for human life from birth, right? Which is not something Donald Trump is ever going to say on the campaign trail. You will never hear him say, I believe the 14th Amendment uh, protects unborn children. Because for one thing, like I don't think Donald Trump does believe that. But the fact that it doesn't seem like Donald Trump believes that or wants to talk about it is not really relevant to the question of like what's at at stake here. Um, and he is good. He's he is, you know a bad politician in a lot of ways, but he's really good at focusing attention on what he thinks people should be focused on. Rather than on like what is most important, and that's because if you think about trump's skill set across his career, right, I mean, as a casino mogul, as a real estate guy, as a reality television host, like he is a true master of securing and refocusing public attention, right, and so you know he'll like he really wants to talk about electric cars right he's like he's all in on talking about electric cars. And if I try to look at it, it's like, what are the stakes for electric cars in this race? It's like, not that much. You know, it's like, how much federal subsidy will buyers of new electric cars who make under $75,000 a year get? And it's like, I could I could take or leave the Biden administration's EV policy, frankly, um, but like, There's huge things at stake in terms of public policy. And then there's also questions, I think with less certainty, but more severity about like the stability of the constitutional order.
1: I think that there is like a way, and it's not necessarily even that hard for for Democrats to make a case that a Donald Trump presidency, like the, the first Donald Trump presidency was and the second Trump presidency would be everything you didn't like about mitt romney the plutocrat stuff the secret billionaires the shipping jobs overseas blah 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 the 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 um like uh anti-abortion politics the tax cuts uh plus this x factor that is j- like really just about donald trump the like the the like cash in bags with dollar signs on the outside corruption you know um and you said to me something recently that I agreed with like at first blush, but I kind of think I don't anymore. Um, You said like you can't, Democrats can't like guilt trip people into voting against Donald Trump. And like, I agree obviously that like the guilt trip posture where you're like browbeating somebody is not a good way to appeal to people whose votes you're seeking. But I do think that there is a, a way to structure an appeal that, that, like has this your patriotic duty is x but even if you disagree it's like it, like how you know litigators go to the supreme court and they say we think that you should rule against them but even if you're inclined to agree here are these other you know things that you can do to limit the the damage of of your opinion or whatever similarly like y- your patriotic duty is to vote against Donald Trump because he would end the things most important about America democracy like political equality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But even if you think we're hyping that or you aren't concerned or you just don't agree, you say that inflation is more important to you. Well, he'll be worse on inflation. You you say like uh, access to abortion is important to you. Well, he's the reason Roe v. Wade got overturned um, and that you kind of have to structure it in that way to to catch everyone or else you end up with this, mishmash or else you end up kind of like ignoring the elephant in the room um
0: i mean i i, I, you- I, I agree with
1: that i just like it's like
0: i think that there's this kind of odd trap where, like all pre-trump campaigns that i can think of right the candidate makes a policy argument against their opponent and then also if like non-policy stuff comes up they just jab them with that too right? So it's like, you're running against somebody, you're like, his tax policy's bad, his healthcare is bad, he's going to be bad for whatever. And then if he has a sex scandal, you just like, you also jab him, right? Because like, it's just politics. So you yeah. like, you throw what you got against the guy. Trump, Democrats keep doing this thing where it's like, the, the scandal stuff in their mind is like so bad that instead of just like jabbing him, And continuing, because it's politics, you're like, this man is an existential threat to our sacred democracy, right? Which the hope is that that argument is like so powerful that it wins you the race. But what what just happens in practice, I mean, because I think we've seen it, Trump's been around for a long time, is it actually spawns this incredible amount of like, Meta discourse where people start going, well, if you really believe Trump was such an existential threat to democracy, like how come Chris Christie isn't your vice presidential candidate? Like how come you're not blah 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 blah? And then you're like spinning around and you're in these like eleven different meta debates where nobody says that. If you're just like, this guy sucks, and also he cheated on his wife, which sucks. And also he embezzled some money from the barbershop, which sucks. <laughs> Nobody's like, well, if you were serious that it's bad that he embezzled some money from the, you know what I mean? You just like you're just doing the politics, right? And like, I feel like everybody needs to get a little bit out of their heads on, on some of this kind of thing. Like so Trump's like demented uh, Christmas Eve message, he just like yes. starts by complaining about deranged Jack Smith, and then he hits period, and then like the next sentence is about how open borders, the Green New Deal scam, high taxes are bad, right? Like, it's like genuinely not brain surgery to construct a political message that starts with the thing that's in the headline and then pivots to the thing that you want to raise the salience of. Like, literally everybody who has worked on any campaign at any level knows how to do this. And I think there's been this, like, cosmic forgetting about how to do it with regard to Trump because it's like a, It's like a mental black hole. It's like, should we be in serious fate of democracy mode or should we be in like lowbrow, we're campaigning here guys mode? And it's like, just like he incited a riot in which police officers were assaulted. So just like say that and then say he also proposed cutting police funding, and then say the murder rates soared on his watch, and then say the whole thing was done so that he could finance tax cuts for the rich, and then say, and he got rich by scamming people. You know, and it's like, whatever. I mean, I'm not even, I, I think it's like not genius, you know, Like I or that I have all the answers. It's just like, treat it like it's normal, which doesn't mean you ignore the abnormal aspects of Trump. It just means you, you, you treat them the way you would anything else that came up in a campaign that was damaging and that reflected poorly on the person without getting so dug into this like high theory, you know, whatever, 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 like he's just, he sucks. But then where I was getting with the guilt is that, you know, if you or me or anyone, uh, if you go on the internet, if you go on X formerly known as Twitter And you say like, uh, I kind of disagree with this public policy that Democrats are pushing. A bunch of people will yell at you and they'll be like, how can you be talking about this when the future of democracy is on the line, right? And like, that's fine. I I get where they're coming from. At the same time, like your pitch to the American people can't be like we concede (laughs) that we're pushing ideas that you don't agree with or like or want, uh, but you owe it to us to like vote for the future of democracy. It's like, you just, you just have to constantly be saying like our policies are better. His policies are worse. He's a scumbag. He's a crook. We're better vote for us. You're going to be happy. You got to pander to the voters. Like you just got to do all the normal shit. Even while uh, slamming.
1: I, I, I look like I agree that just like it, it should be a smorgasbord of we're good. They're bad. There are many reasons we're good. There are many reasons they're bad. And you can slot in whatever you want, whether they're, policy reasons or like fate of democracy reasons. I do think that every presidential candidate also tries to home in on a thing that they think, and it'll be really bad if X, right? Like and Republicans are like, they, they kind of try to turn everything into that, but like, they will say that like Democrats are lousy with socialists and like the country can't survive, blah, blah, blah. Um, And, and like, downplay their position on taxation or medicare or whatever um in order to get the people that they think are persuadable to focus on why they shouldn't let democrats win and democrats have to confront in this election like what is the thing that will make those same voters think actually it's the republicans i shouldn't be voting for and to me it's like there's You know, trying trying to point out that Trump will be worse on inflation is not, like, like really solid ground for Democrats, especially because Joe Biden was president when inflation became an issue. Um, Abortion is a much more promising one, but, like, without being like, you have to set aside whatever disagreements you think you have with the libs because you owe it to your country to vote against Donald Trump, it's like... I think that this, the the people who don't like Democrats because of things Republicans say about them, or the way you know uh, people in Hollywood act, or whatever, like they they, they don't want to vote for Democrats because they have cultural disaffinity for Democrats. They also have cultural disaffinity for people who like lie and steal, you know. Sure, and and that and that like a you know I I don't want Donald Trump to be president for the for the, you know, abstract, high minded, like, what does it even mean to be like an opinion journalist in a country where where elections don't count and policy can't be made by people who get the most votes or whatever. Right. Like, that's why it matters personally to me quite a lot. Um, But how do you generalize that to somebody who just doesn't care that much? And some of them, I think, can be reached with like simplistic appeals to patriotism. but like others are like will just disdain people like Donald Trump because they're greedy lying thieves and they want power to get richer um and like you can probably make headway with a lot of voters who have this kind of like antipathy to crooks
0: yeah i mean a, I, bro- I i i mean i i agree but i just i, I think that there's like a question of um, like the connectivity between these ideas, right? because like when you the st- the point of sort of highlighting like far left people or like like left intellectuals in academia or Hollywood, et cetera, or calling Democrats socialists, et cetera, is to suggest like important continuities between like the overt democratic message. And like what the true agenda is, right? And you know, you can do it more artfully or more crudely. Um, So like, you know, I mean, Trump will constantly say that like Democrats are for open borders, right? Which like isn't true. But it is true that there is a lot of unauthorized border crossing occurring during Joe Biden's presidency. And it is also, also true that Democrats and Republicans have some genuine disagreements about immigration policy, in which Democrats are um, more favorable to immigration. It's also also true that liberals in general are less inclined toward harshness, right, and punitiveness as a as a thing. So, like the open borders attack, like there's a lying element to it. There's like a fear mongering element to it, but there's also just like a there's like a real thing, right? Like you, you could have a very restrained, very dignified, very honest conversation about immigration policy, and it would still highlight this kind of like polarity there. And all I'm really saying about like the crooks, the lying, all this shit about Trump is that you have to, with your rhetorical tropes, with your stances, with your attitude, you have to say like, like what are the themes here, right? And so like the 2016 campaign against Trump I think wound up underperforming because the implication that Hillary was running with was like she had this very post material argument against Trump which isn't just to say that like she talked about things other than kitchen table issues but that the policy ideas that she connected to were connected to like tolerance diversity um uh, like racial justice, immigration, et cetera, et cetera, and she lost the thing that just like long standing loyalist democratic party voters uh like about Democrats, which is that like they're the party of the common man and you know like want people to have health care and you know like think healthcare care should be a right, you know, and like don't want to ship jobs overseas, et cetera, et cetera. Biden in twenty twenty had this much sounder message which wasn't a kitchen table message really it was about the pandemic right it was this idea that like trump was his agent of chaos and incompetence who didn't know what he was doing and was overmatched by events and biden was going to crush the virus and like fix all these problems right biden can't run like that campaign against trump again because what's happening in the world has changed but you need to say something about how, like, the problems in your life, right, which can be, you know, abortion rights, world, it can be anything, but it has to relate in some way to your, like, personal criticisms of Trump in a way that's, like, relatively easy to explain and that works thematically. I don't necessarily know that I know what the best way to, to do that is, but, like, I, I, I think it's... Underrated how much people. You know, you wrote a good piece about how Trump was president during the year 2020. Yeah, (laughs) but I mean, I I think that it's like a lot of what's going on is people in their guts, separate from their views of Trump. Their view was that like life was better in 2019, and they want that placidity back. And Trump has started to manage to persuade people that he can deliver that, that without the woke military electric car lunacy, open borders, whatever, whatever, right? That like, maybe his tweets will be annoying or something, but that he is going to do what Biden promised to do, which is have things go back to normal, whatever it is people think that that means. Um, And it's a kind of tricky one to get out of because like, you can't do it right like that was a um that was a an overpromise on biden's part he could not make the sars-cov-2 virus go away in fact it continued to mutate um in ways that have been damaging to people's public health right he couldn't stop the trump antics from dominating american politics because those people are still out there he did improve America's relationships with our key allies around the world. But that doesn't change the fact that like America also has these adversaries around the world, just like events keep occurring and we can't, you know, like return to this kind of idol. And it's, um, you know, that's like a struggle for an incumbent. Uh Now we hopefully like the economic situation keeps improving and people may, look with less nostalgia on on the past which would be good but like you gotta you gotta connect these things somehow
1: i so i think that like i'm not sure that's right like it's doesn't hurt to be like trump's willingness to lie and incite a riot to hang on to power is related to the fact that he's probably lying to you when he says he's gonna cut some deal to uh you know post dobbs secure abortion rights or whatever Sure. Like, I'm not saying don't don't try to thread those things together. I'm saying that there's like just a lot of people in the world who think people like Donald Trump are when they're not actually literally Donald Trump, but like you describe like a craven, charlatan, greedy, rich, yeah, 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 person who mistreats other people, like that's the boss. and you don't like the boss. you know what I mean? And, like, I don't think Democrats do an awful lot of – he is, like, trying to get one over on you, like, your tax dollars will go to pay the salary of this crook and all the loyalists he's going to bring into government, and they're just going to loot the country, and it's going to make it impossible for you to vote them out. Um, Like, they will steal your power as a citizen, and, like, don't be a dupe to people like that is – is not like a material appeal really in any way. It's just an appeal to, to people to be like, like stand up for yourself against somebody who's trying to take advantage of you. Yeah, um, but
0: see, but like, isn't it though? I, but I I think, I think that that's right. But like, I, I think that that's closer to a basic material appeal than you like to say. I mean, I. so I guess I agree with you, but like, I diagnose what Democrats are currently doing differently from you do. I think, if I'm saying, I think you think Democrats keep, like, ignoring Trump and are, like, in this, like, cargo cult of kitchen table politics. But I think that what's really going on is that Democrats have, like, siloed it. They've, like, bifurcated their brains so that they have this, like, very high-toned, like, patriotic the fate of democracy is on the line, people, anti-Trump message. And then they have this like, oh, and we've made your insulin cheaper, right? And like, what they have to develop is some connective tissue between those things, right? You have to come up with something where you characterize Trump's Personal failings, his corruption, the Republican Party's support for him, his support for them as like related to the policy controversies that we're in, right? Like he's going to, you know, he, I was at the most underrated Trump legal problem was the Trump University fraud lawsuit. Cause he just like took people who liked Donald Trump and he stole their money, Mm -hmm. right? And now he's going to, like, steal your insulin. You know, he's going to take advantage of you. He's going to do things that are bad for you, like in a specific way. He's not going to own the libs, right? Because I think he's sometimes built up into, like, we're so afraid of Donald Trump, like voters, you've got to save us from Donald Trump. Like, oh, like Iglesias is going to be so persecuted. It's a threat to democracy. And then people are like, fuck you. I hate Iglesias. Like, let's, let's be a threat. They call it a threat to democracy, but really is a threat to their power, you know? And it's like, no, like my life was fine when Donald Trump was president. Like, my taxes got cut, uh, fucking ratings went through the air. Like, I didn't get a great book deal. I actually got a good book deal. It wasn't even about Trump. (laughs) But like, the anti-Trump books were selling so big that they were handing out good book contracts even to people who didn't want to write anti-Trump books. Like, there was never a better time in my career for liberal journalists than the four years that Donald Trump was president. Fundraising for left-wing activist groups soared. You know what I mean? Like people, young people with useless liberal arts degrees got nonprofit jobs really, really easily because the ACLU and all these organizations were pumped full of money. Like it was fine. Totally, totally fine. At the same time, like um, some people who like poor people like lost their Medicaid eligibility, right? Um farm agribusiness concerns were allowed to dump toxic neurochemicals into drinking water which poisoned the uh brain development of unborn children living in rural areas like that's what trump did you know like that's that that it, it's 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 a it's
1: a cuz it's Matt, politics you are, you are downplaying how owned i was by the salt cap <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, fair enough. Okay. Solcap. SaltCap did own some of us. Um, you know, but Fine see, but it. now that you're on Substack, this thing that Jared Kushner got in, where you get like beneficial treatment for um like LLCs, like it's so good for Substack yeah.
1: pundits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm only learning this stuff now, actually. Like I'm when we get to if we if we talk New Year's resolutions at the end, I'll I'll explain. But um, so I like I I I I think that like any of these approaches other than the one you described as sort of like bifurcated it's like the end of democracy if he wins versus we capture insulin, like just a more like aggressive um like Trump is the orange man bad kind of politics would be good. And i I'm glad that you cited the Trump Christmas tweet because you cited it, I thought, like kind of interestingly and counterintuitively as an example of like how Democrats could do politics better. Just like like dump all the negative things about your opponents into digestible media and people will digest all of them, right? Um, and that and that um like Democrats should maybe have like a more like throw throw everything against the wall and, and see what six kind of politics and i th- i think i agree but i think that the biden campaign thinks and i kind of worry about this that trump coming back into greater public view will do most of the work that they need to do on their own and this is ultimately w- w- what i think about democrats in general is not so much that they won't talk about trump is that they think other media other en- entities will do their anti-trump stuff for them because he's like you know he he's always doing appalling things and he's always in the in the middle of some kind of um like legal trouble and so they don't actually have to do much anti-trump politics because it's kind of ambient and they can focus on things that make them seem like normal and non-threatening and i think that the biden campaign is hoping that something like that happens and like the the christmas tweet i think it's hard to tell because only us weirdos are paying attention to the news yes, during Christmas. the holidays. But like, but like, I noticed that liberals, who's uh, you know, whose judgment I respect, were kind of happy to contrast Joe Biden's Christmas message, which was this Christmas Eve, my wish for you and your family is that you take a few moments of quiet reflection and find that stillness that's at the center of the Christmas story. May you find peace in this silent night and warmth from those surrounding you right and then just side by side with donald trump's like unhinged yeah tweet that ends like may they rot in hell merry christmas right i think that um like my instinct is maybe joe biden is right and people will remember that that stuff just sucked and it made everyone mad at each other all the time and even if it even if like they think that they remember 2019 as being much better than 2023, um, they'll think, well, it's really not worth it to have this kind of abusive figure looming over American life like that. Um, but I'm not sure. And, I, and I'm and i like, it also feels to me like they're putting their eggs in a familiar basket um, that hasn't always worked out that way. Hillary Clinton also thought that Donald Trump's
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree with you. I I just, I I think, I think that conventional liberals understate how good that Trump Christmas message was as a message. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they think that that's a bad message from Trump. And then the question is like, what's the best way for Biden to highlight the opposition? Uh, but what Trump did was he took a laundry list of policy topics, all of which I know from talking to Democrats who do ad testers. These are topics that, when people think about these issues, it makes them like Biden less, right? These are these are the the, the doubts that people have about Biden or about inflation, about immigration, about Afghanistan surrender, about electric cars, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like. If somebody just said on Christmas Eve, like, I think you should all think about Joe Biden's immigration policy, it's like, nobody would. But if you attach it to this, like, insane message about Jack Smith, you, like, generate circulation of this message, right? Now, Biden's message, if you just ask people side by side, like, which of these is a better Christmas message, everyone's going to say Biden's is better, right? Like, it's appropriate to the occasion and Trump's isn't. But Biden didn't convey anything. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, people did side-by-sides of this, right? And and I think the Biden campaign wanted that. They, they wanted people to see that Biden is more appropriate, and that's fine, but he didn't find a way to put anything in there that, like, draws people's attention to Trump's weaknesses in a real way, to any of people's sort of profound doubts that, that are there. And, and that's why I agree with you. I think the big risk of kind of like outsourcing, right, of being like, because this is true, right? Like CNN and the Washington Post and Politico, like they will run a lot of stories about how Trump is like a madman, no matter what Biden says. But precisely because that's true, it's like you have to try to influence, like what exactly do those stories say? you know what i mean like do right. they do they inject some idea that is like helpful um and, and you know it's a it's a it's a tough one i think the question of like you know we should probably just do a whole episode of this but like how should democrats deal with the fact that the mainstream media both like does skew toward their point of view but also like really doesn't want to do them any partisan favors it's like it's tricky. You know, because like the like the reason I think I think a really important reason that Biden went from being popular to unpopular is that the coverage on CNN and in the New York Times of the Afghanistan withdrawal was so negative in ways that I think were really unfair and that like a Republican could just brush that kind of coverage off. But like Democrats really like the New York Times and CNN. You know, like they Love that shit. Like the 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 perception that the mainstream media is what Democrats should read and is good for them. Like it's very powerful. It's very entrenched, and it's kind of hard to get around it because we know from the Hillary experiment that just like having articles in the New York Times that are like Trump is unprecedented, inappropriate. That like that doesn't move the needle, right? You need to make some kind of. Some kind of case to people you gotta you gotta take advantage of it
1: well, yeah, i but uh, like you know maybe I agree, it's hard for me to know that like Trump just loading up every deranged tweet or truth or whatever with green news scam and open borders and whatever, gets those things circulated and it, it gets people thinking about the things they don't like about biden i i I think that one of the things Trump does effectively in these deranged messages is, is, is less the laundry list and more than just like crooked. Just like, and he doesn't, he doesn't tend to go to great lengths.
0: To yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: My, like the fact that crooked Hillary or crooked Joe or deranged Jack Smith are these crooks is going to filter into policy in ways that'll hurt you. It's just like, they suck. They are out to get me and you, you know? And like, it's not elevated. Um, but like, I think that because the truth happens to be the other way around, it can be very effective if it becomes like the basis of democratic campaigning. Like yeah. not, not right. like, not like you remember when Michael Bennett was, was like, ha- had his like weird candidacy. He was like, you like, you won't, if I'm president, like you won't have to think about what the president is doing. Sure. Like, you can just like go hang out with your family. And you like, I kind of, I thought it was cute. I also was like, it won't work because Republicans can be loud with or without control of the White House. Like, I don't like Biden could do something like, you know, vote for me because I won't try to take away your health care and I won't um, make your insulin more expensive and I won't like incite a riot at the Capitol. Like, all to the good, and he should, but like, he's, he's already squandered most of the advantage he had going into the presidency around the question of who is more or less corrupt, right? Like it should be, that's the sort of question where like, if you ask people and like they give an honest answer, it'd be like a hundred to zero, right? A hundred percent of respondents say Donald Trump is the, is the more crooked of the two. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but it's like, like, I mean, so a lot of that's just water on the bridge, but like it's, it's never too late to start. Um, and I just think that people don't like crooks, and there's a lot of material there. It's a very target-rich environment. If you want to get people thinking about the, you know, the the most unappealing things about Trump,
0: okay, well, um, which is I, not okay. I, I, okay, I'll i I'm, I'm going to pivot to the next item on our okay. on our on our hotline, right? So, so which was which was Nick, Nikki Haley and her weird civil war slavery (laughs) gaff because I do think that this kind of illustrates the other thing, right? So Nikki Haley, for those who don't know, is a uh, politician from South Carolina. Um, She is also a woman of South Asian uh, ancestry, Um, you know, there in the deep South. And so I think like her political instincts are, you know, trained in a certain way on a certain audience that she has down there. But her best Primary state is New Hampshire, um, which is up there, where they have a lot of white people and a lot of white Republicans. But like New England is different. And somebody at a forum asked her what the Civil War was about. And she gave a very South Carolina answer (laughs) that, you know, it's about freedom and the government and something, something, something. And everybody criticized her because the Civil War was about slavery. Um, I think. That everyone understands that the point of criticizing Nikki Haley on this point is not that like she doesn't know enough about what history books say or like she needs to study James McPherson, right? Like the, the concern that you're supposed to have when somebody can't say that the Civil War was about slavery is that they are racists who hate Black people right? And I feel like that's almost, like, obvious enough that nobody, like, quite needs to say it. But also, if you pay attention to, like, who was really, really fired up about this, right? Like, all the African-American writers I follow were, like, really mad that Nikki Haley wouldn't say it was about slavery, right? Because, like, that's, that's, what, like, that's what this means, right? We're not just, it's not just, like, an argument about, like, history trivia, right? Because, like, you know, or, or like, who knows what facts about the 1860 election, right? It's about who, who do you care about? Whose concerns do you have that like Nikki Haley seems unduly invested in the opinions of Southern white racists and like pandering to them and their concerns and that that would be bad. Right. And I saw some people like hot taking that this was such an egregious thing that it meant that like you and i were wrong about the merits of crossing the vote that like she's just like fully in hoc to white supremacists right and it's like all based on one random gaffe because you you jump on the gaffe because there's 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 weight behind it you know like it's not just a thing she said in a town hall it connects to concerns that people have about Politicians and who they care about and whose interests will be safeguarded in Washington, et cetera, and even though Trump has done so many things that are so bad, I don't want to say nobody, but like i i think I think it's like you have to inculcate these kind of doubts you know in people's mind, which has happened i mean i I remember an older um uh, African American guy I know. Uh, said to me at one point in 2016, um, you know, I agree with a lot of what Trump says. Um, He was thinking about China and trade stuff and, you know, spending too much money on supporting our allies and and things. And he said, but it's too bad. He seems like he hates Black people. Because, like, you know, you don't, if, and that's been lost, right? I mean, actually, like, if you look at Trump's gains since 2016 with African-Americans and especially with Latinos, um, Trump has, clearly like convinced a set of people who in 2016 like thought that he was racist and would ignore their interests that like that's not true um and you know like that's a that's that's a that's a problem like you gotta
1: so i i i do like it it sticks out now when you when you say it this way that like the way Both Democrats and Republicans, other Republicans responded to the Haley gaffe was kind of like how um, Democrats and Republicans and then the media responded to Hillary Clinton doing the buck raking speeches is like she got condemned by people in her party and outside her party. And so it takes it like loses the sheen of partisanship. Right. And so now it feels like it's very much a, a Nikki Haley specific controversy. Yeah. Um, and maybe it is in some sense because she's from South Carolina and she's habituated to not like offending the, um, the, um, heritage, not hate people down there and whatever. Um, but I, I think, I mean, we'll never know, but that like, however much that influenced her, she, um, because she's like an ambitious politician who, Always is like trying to calculate in her head what do I need to say in this moment to to like limit the damage to myself or maximize the gains to myself. She thinks that Republican voters in general would hear the answer slavery was the mm-hmm. reason the Civil War was fought and feel condemned themselves. Like she thinks that the Republican base has a lot of um, of people who uh, are lost cause mythologists or whatever and and like it is therefore like a damning statement not just about Nikki Haley but about the Republican party or the right in America. And I think that's why other Republicans like Tom Cotton is not a great person, right? Like and like not an appealing person, right? He's like this very austere like uh militaristic guy. He like he like cultivates a uh, sort of fascist yeah, uh, artifice around himself, and he was like, "Here's the answer you should have given." Wink essentially was like, "Slave, like, like the Civil War was fought to, yeah, it was, end it was caused by Party Democrats, yeah. yeah, right, right, like, and Democrat Party slavery, right? right, like, like, and Nikki Haley, like, like, isn't like, hasn't, um, like, gotten the catechism down, um, like of how modern Republicans." like handle this problem. Right. Um, and, uh, and so he's trying to limit the damage to Republicans that Nikki Haley, like threatened to do. Um, and, uh, but like, I don't know, has Donald Trump chimed in to say Nikki Haley was wrong? uh
0: i think i saw one of his flax you know um you know i mean trump is we know he's a frederick Douglass appreciator Uh, (laughs) he's doing work that that more and more people appreciate um you know i mean i do yeah i mean i i mean i think that that's all you know you always miss the, the what was smart about cotton's thing is that by like injecting this like genuinely brain dead element of partisanship into the message. He clarified that like his statement that slavery is bad does not change the fact that he's anti-woke. You know what I mean? Because right. it's like that's the because cause what's true about Republicans, right? It's like Republicans have kind of like dined out a lot um on some of the excesses, I would say, of anti-racism politics on the left. Uh, at the same time, like, I, the other day, tweeted a picture of, like, a history book for kids, um, like, Heroes of World War II um, that that my kid has, and it's, like, I was saying that this is, like, good, like, inclusive patriotism book, and, you know, it's just, like, pictures of nine people, but it's, like, three of them are women, and one's black, and, you know, whatever, 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 um, and, like, racist Twitter just, like, fucking lost it over this, You know what I mean? Like any gesture to the idea that like racism exists um, or has been a force in American history or is bad, like there's a group of people who will lose it over that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you're one step from like slavery is bad to we have to abolish police, Um, you know? And it's like Haley, because she knows, I think she knows from South Carolina. I think she, you know, she really underperformed in her first statewide Race, uh, which I think is because racist right wingers in South Carolina didn't want to vote for her, you know, and so she's like very attuned to like we got to manage this, and she overcorrected there. Whereas Cotton, who had the benefit of not needing to do it live, was like, "Here's how we're going to do it, right? Like, yeah, like, like, like here's here's the stroke we're going to hit." Uh, Trump, you know, Trump is like bonded so firmly with racists at this point who like love him because they feel that he brought their ideas into the mainstream that like, he now largely actually dispenses with the kind of like all Mexicans are rapists kind of stuff that like initially fueled his campaign. Um, But also we hear less from Trump than we used to. You know, I think you started at at the top talking about how that was probably a benefit to him. Um, And I do think it's true. You know, like he's a he's he's an undisciplined person, as we like to uh, say. Um, People commit gaffes. Those things can be quite damaging when you need to talk constantly. Uh, You know, Biden, right, has tried to make a virtue out of the fact that he does like less public appearances and less stuff. Uh, than most people do. But I think almost everyone has the intuition that this has something to do with the fact that um, even when he was younger, he made a lot of gaffes. And they may be worried now that he's older that he would do even more. And it's just like, it's hard to be in the public eye constantly and not screw up. But also like, it's a real advantage in politics if you could be in the public eye a lot. Like as long as you do a good job with it. You know, um, and I just think that's like a reality we're going to have to have over the campaign. There's like a there's like a risk and reward to speaking extemporaneously about stuff.
1: So I think the there is a sweet spot that um Biden um aides should be trying to find between his like most freewheeling self, which I think they rightly realized, hey, you're a presidential candidate. Now you're president like your words carry much more weight than they did when you were senator or even vice president and so you can't be out there like um shooting from the hip um and they have he and they together have made him a more controlled person but i think it exacerbates the 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 aspects of his i mean his age makes him seem old but like because he's Really concerned about not getting too far over his skis he's he he dwells for a long time on like what the right way to phrase what he's trying to say is, and it just compounds the the like communication issues that make him seem old in addition to being old. so I agree with that. I think that Trump is actually in this in in a in a heightened phase of um like saying um like racially insensitive things of the kind that got him into trouble in 2016 before he won. <laughs> um like he's not he like he specifically doesn't say that um Mexico is sending rapists, but he still says they're emptying out their insane asylums, right? And sending their worst people. Um and you know he's like he's um adopted this and or or mainlined this more um, fascistic, like, vermin, like, root out the scum. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, he hasn't been asked about the Civil War specifically, and so I think maybe there is some sense out there that his rhetoric has lost the sort of skin color-based racism uh, it's a more like, generically so
0: authoritarian
1: kind of kind
0: of pitch uh, I think which has a different set of you know winners and losers.
1: Yeah um it's that's interesting we should we should put a put a pin in this like because in a weird way to me the you know the um like attacks on immigrants from Mexico um, and the attacks on shithole countries or whatever you know whichever one you want to pick, like they are like gross, um but like I also think that they are politically useful in a sense, they remind people that like this is a hateful person like and and whatever things you see in him that you think might be to your benefit or might help you, like he. He is making us a worse country. like, um, And I don't know, just like, I don't know if my intuitions are right on this, that like the, I think that like the, the like root out the vermin stuff is more alarming. Like, ah, like well, it
0: alarms you.
1: <laughs> I mean, I just think like, like what should a country be more concerned about? Maybe that, but I, like, I, like acknowledge that it's, um, it may be the case that it, because it's in some, um, like very literalistic sense stripped of like racial and ethnic terminology that, that people, that it misses people and like why people should be concerned by it. Like All right. We 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 got on a long got, time here.
0: Yeah, well, I guess I think I think Trump will still be uh, have weird authoritarian tendencies that we can unpack in future episodes. Um,
1: nah, you want to close That's, this out? Um, do we want to do? Uh, do we want to do a quick? Um, New Year's resolution thing? Yeah, let's, let's do a res-
0: let's do a resolution. What's 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 your what's what's your resolution for the new year? Mine's super boring. <laughs> okay, let's do it. My
1: actual my actual New Year's resolution is to um, become more organized. Um, and like, I mean that in like, so for a long time, I was younger and my brain worked better, and I could, and I had few responsibilities, so I yeah. could not have to do lists and not um like take a lot of notes about s- stuff other than like you know when i was interviewing someone and then i would still not miss appointments or deadlines or whatever um and then you know i got older i got more responsibilities but like when i was in my in my last job at crooked media i was writing less editing more i had like a, a like a a regular schedule i had income from an employer. So I didn't have to keep a lot of records around. Anyway, that all changed this year. And so now I'm I'm writing more. So like every time I have an idea about what to write, I have to remind myself to jot it down so that I don't forget. And I have to remember that like, I have business expenses now and I need to keep track of them. And I don't have a good system for that. And so my new year's resolution is to create a system that helps me keep my story ideas in mind, keep my expenses logged somewhere. Um, so that I, a like, like I am not screwing up all the time. And B I, so I can just like relax a bit more. So I don't go to bed trying to keep a, like a lengthy list of chores, uh, it, like straighten my head and like hope that I don't forget them when I wake up in the morning. Um, because um, for the last three months, that's how it's been. And I need to, I need to, Put it put that stuff in a better place. I
0: love it. I should make that my <laughs> New year's resolution, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm instead resolving to try to practice what I preach more and keep my my social media commentary focused on things that I believe are actually important rather than just on what I happen to be uh, annoyed by on any given day because what is annoying to me is not you know what matters uh to the world in a global systemic sense uh i just <laughs> i just suffer a lot of idiosyncratic annoyances um due to my uh various roles in the universe um so i'm hoping <laughs> you know people call call me out uh if i'm if i'm tweeting about nonsense constantly uh we got to got to keep our eyes the line? Prize here
1: like is th- does housing stuff count as nonsense no like super housing super important days. you know that's, yeah. that's
0: that's 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 what ma- but like somebody tweeted something insane about zionist doctors uh earlier today and i wrote something about that but i'm like this person doesn't matter like this this not this is not what matters
1: oh you um, I, th- th- it's january 2nd you already botched your resolution
0: um i yes it's terrible but you know we, it's a <laughs> it's a work in progress you know what they teach you though right you know and th- you you can't you can't let one misstep like throw you off the wagon entirely. You know, you get back up. Every day is a new day. Uh, we're we doing the best that we can. Um, uh, yeah. So that's uh, what 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 do people need to know? Uh, thanks to everybody uh, for listening to our new show. Um, there will be new episodes every week.
1: Yeah. Politics is a production of Brian Boitler and Matthew Iglesias. Our producer is Michael Shane. And uh, I think that's the only credits that we have to offer, I, But I will write up I will write up a formal outro for future episodes.
0: <laughs> okay, yes, yeah. so thanks for listening and we promise better outros in the future. That's our other that's our joint New Year's resolution uh, to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for listening.